0: This podcast of Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by BASF. Cinex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn.
1: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on
0: Agriculture. Thank you so much for being with us and letting us be part of of your day. Lots to talk about today, and here's who we'll be talking with. The president of the National Corn Growers Association, Lynn Crisp, will be with us. We'll talk ag issues such as E15 and trade. Uh, Lynn is a farmer in Nebraska. We'll talk about conditions in his area as well. We're going to talk more about trade with Colin Woodall with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, China, USMCA, and now Japan, very much at the uh, forefront of the trade talks so we'll talk with colin about those issues and we'll get our first look at this year's farm progress show which will be held in august in decatur illinois we'll talk with director of trade shows for farm progress matt youngman to see how early preparations are going anything uh, getting planted yet around uh, the site there in decatur illinois we'll talk with matt about that a little bit later on we're going to start things off today with a look at a very uh, interesting and, at times, contentious meeting yesterday held in Glenwood, Iowa. It was with the Army Corps of Engineers, some members of Congress, and a lot of concerned people about management of floodwaters along the Missouri River. Here to talk about it is Chris Clayton, Ag Policy Editor for DTN. Chris, thanks for being with us. Very interesting meeting, wasn't it?
2: Uh, yes, it was. Um, had more senators than we thought would be here. And, uh, and you know, you finally got to hear a very detailed discussion with uh, the Army Corps uh, about the flooding.
0: Obviously, differences of opinion. Uh, the Army Corps of Engineers uh, and how they feel they are handling the flood management situation along the river. And a lot of people that feel and have felt for some time that the Corps' policies and And uh, the way they go about it is not the best way. may be doing, in some cases, more harm than good. Tell us about that difference of opinion there.
2: Well, the um, senators and uh, taking that from some of the um, people who've been flooded out uh, twice now in the last uh, eight years, uh, feeling that uh, the Corps spends too much time and investment focusing on, environmental issues, such as uh, uh, Endangered Species Act with uh, uh, some pallid sturgeon and uh, uh, some birds, and, um, and that has been a focus of the Corps for uh, about the past 15 years or so, so is some restoration of those uh, um, species. But uh, the belief is that that has taken the focus off of flood control and now we've had two major floods, and we've had a lot of minor flooding um, on the river in the past, uh, going back to at least 2011, maybe even a little earlier, Um, and this is beginning to build up a lot of tension. Um, The the problem with that, though, is in, in this flood situation, so much of the flooding happened below core dams already you know the Platte River is is unregulated river. It doesn't have any dams on it. It was ten times its size. the The Niobrara River was uh, was like twenty times its size. So um, the waters coming into uh, the Missouri, both above uh, Gavin's Point and below it, were, were just uh, you know astronomical.
0: So when you look at these differences of opinion, and you said, as you pointed out, a lot of people think it's because the core is more concerned about the endangered species. Uh, But when you get into river management, you get a lot of different opinions on what should be done and how the river needs to be used and and managed. Uh, So trying, and this has been a problem for some time, trying to uh, work around all those different interests, uh, that's a challenge, but it it seems here that there's, there's certainly a very strong difference of opinion between many people along the river uh with the army corps of engineers and and their plan and how they're going about uh, managing the river
2: yeah uh, and the reality too is um, you know this is the third biggest third big flood i've covered on the missouri river since 1993 Uh, that's uh, that was the the big one, uh, cost over $16 billion in damage, uh, between, the, the Mississippi and the Missouri rivers. Uh, 2011, uh, 18 years later, came back and had, uh, you know, dramatic flooding throughout, uh, the entire Missouri river system. Um, and this one, you know, is, uh, comparable to those two floods and, um, uh, and what it was able to do. Um, But the Corps pointed out, certainly, after the 93 flood, they made a significant number of recommendations of changes, and a lot of those changes never happened. Um, I was just going back looking over the reporting we did after the 2011 flood, and we pointed out all of these things that, you know, the, the governors of Missouri, Nebraska, and Iowa have all gotten together and said, They want more state management and more control. The Corps, after the 93 flood stated, the states need to have more involvement. Uh, There are several different things that, you know, were recommended back then that we've basically ignored. We've become very comfortable developing on the river. Um, And every time that happens, though, the expense gets higher because we have put so much development uh, and so much faith in those levees.
0: Yeah, that's... uh... That's an ongoing challenge. We want to develop near the rivers, uh, and then we're at risk of things like this happening. Now, I had what four senators there yesterday. What did they have to say about uh, uh, some type of disaster package getting passed?
3: Well,
2: everybody said uh, something needs to be passed. Um, they're still dancing around the issue of uh, of Puerto Rico and. Um, and adding in, you know, specifically what the language would be regarding uh, the Midwest and um, and what would be covered there. So they haven't fully gotten that um, uh, developed. They did vote uh, on two different packages in the Senate and both failed for different reasons. Um, but they continue to fight. Uh, the Democrats want to see this uh Aid for Puerto Rico increased, and uh, Republicans want to see it uh, dialed back. And so we're caught between. This is actually, you know, this is the problem we've always had, though, with these disaster bills. It takes two or three years sometimes. Uh, You know, you've met the hurricane victims from last year in Florence and Michael waiting on this disaster bill. And a lot of farmers were impacted in those disasters that we've kind of forgotten about.
0: Real quick. Uh, Chris, anything come out of this, you think, that, that moves the needle towards getting something changed or done?
2: There's going to need to be some change, but uh, the, the, the reality is, too, if everybody gets what they want done on the levees, um, it's going to take a long time just basically to repair them. Um, the, uh, the Whether the federal government is going to chip in and put more money into uh, – uh increasing these levees uh, really remains a uh, pretty open question yeah. because who's impacted upstream if you raise your levy, right?
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, and that's always an issue.
0: All right, Chris. Thanks for the report, the update from that meeting yesterday. Thank you very much.
2: Thanks a lot. Have a good uh, Easter weekend.
0: You too. Chris Clayton with DTN here on AOA.
4: Powerful, effective,
3: proven, tough, consistent,
4: reliable. A lot of adjectives can describe a herbicide's weed control, but one only applies to Liberty Herbicide. Superior. Liberty Herbicide has no known resistance in row crops, more convenient application flexibility, and excellent control of key weeds. All backed by the Liberty Weed Control Guarantee. Learn more at liberty.basf.com. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions.
0: Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. Sinex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, plant-based burgers are in the marketplace, and you shouldn't just dismiss these if you're a livestock producer or a meat eater. Let's talk about it with Eric Bull. He is the Director of Public Affairs and Advocacy for the Missouri Farm Bureau.
5: They are serious about finding something that actually approximates real meat. That's the, the difference here is, you know, these Garden Burgers and Boca Burgers before were marketed towards vegans and vegetarians. They were not ever meant to take over part of the meat market. These are intended to take over the meat market. Their entire goal of these companies on their mission statements is to end animal agriculture. And that is what makes it really different. Is they've got big money behind this, it's high tech, and they're really getting close to getting it right.
0: For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on
6: Agriculture. Your harvest is your most important asset. It's like money in the bank, and you can get everything you need to store and protect it through one source. Your FS Grain System Specialist. With any brand of grain system you choose, your specialist will oversee planning and construction to make sure it's done right. And you can count on FS for maintenance, too. Contact your local FS company or visit fsgrainsystems.com. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next.
3: So you want to stay on top of the week's agriculture news and have it available at your fingertips? Well, tune in to the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast. It's 15 minutes of the week's top agriculture stories published every Saturday and available anytime on iTunes, TuneIn, and Podbean, or by clicking the link on our website, AmericanAgNetwork.com. Tune in to the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast to go more in-depth on the week's top stories.
7: Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Sinex Premium
0: Diesel. With Sinex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation
1: in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams.
0: We're going to talk ag issues now with the president
1: of the National Corn Growers Association,
0: Lynn Crisp. Lynn? good to have you with us thanks for being on
8: yeah mike it's good to join you today
0: well you are a farmer in nebraska i have to ask you what are conditions like in your area this spring
8: Well, we're uh, quite a ways west of the uh, part of the state that is is experiencing all of the flooding that uh... happened a few weeks ago and uh... It, his uh, conditions are pretty good right here now. and the last few days, there's been an awful lot of farm work getting accomplished. and uh, Not too many planners yet, but uh, planners will start to roll next week. So
0: you're just far enough west uh, to be able to get to some field work done. Uh, but obviously, you're hearing, I'm sure, from a lot of your members of the National Corn Growers Association that have been greatly impacted by the flooding this spring.
8: I'll uh, uh the rivers uh, down watershed uh, and it affected uh, almost all of the rivers, especially in northeast Nebraska that uh, feed into the Missouri River. And The waters there, the snow and the rain that accumulated was just absolutely devastating. And the thing that Made it worse was uh, our uh, real cold January and February had the rivers all iced up. And so when the additional water came, uh, the normal flows in those channels just wasn't uh, capable of handling all of the water. And it was just uh, a situation where, you know, two or three unusual uh, events came together at the same time. It just made a mess. It, it'll It'll be years before some of that uh, gets straightened out and losses are just horrendous
0: so in your area of Nebraska, where you're able to get some field work going now how how far away from planting are you you think
8: um i I think that uh, we'll get started in, in earnest people are debating now uh you know uh, how many more days of uh, field work preparation do they do before they actually hook onto the planters and go to plan B. Uh, you know, we're trying to get some uh, spring fertilizer on ahead of planting as well and uh, to turn around and uh, have to side dress that on is another operation and uh, just complicates things rather than having it down ahead of planting if we can get it done
0: in a timely manner. We're talking with Lynn Crisp from Nebraska, president of the National Corn Growers Association. Those are obviously the issues at the top of many farmers' minds, but let's move on to some of the other issues that are also uh, uh, on farmers' minds and uh, certainly the National Corn Growers Association. Uh, One of those being the Waters of the U.S. rule. Now we just wrapped up the comment period on Monday. But obviously, that's a key issue for corn farmers and all of agriculture.
8: Uh, Yes, it is. Uh, The original rule that uh, EPA had uh, proposed in 2015 was just uh, terrible, and uh, it was way overreach into a situation where it was going to make life extremely difficult for farmers uh, trying to work around anything that looked like a a ditch or a pond uh, on the farm, and uh, it just uh, made for too many opportunities for uh, misunderstandings and a dispute, and one of the things that you don't want to be in is a dispute with the federal government if you can avoid it. So we're... we're, uh, much happier with the language that is in this proposed rule and are uh, supporting it uh, wholeheartedly.
0: So you support EPA on that new WOTUS rule. You have not been supportive of EPA and how they've handled the uh, small refinery exemptions to the RFS. Now, Andrew Wheeler has said that uh, there may be fewer granted. We don't know how many fewer. Uh, do you feel any better after what you've heard recently from EPA or still concerned?
8: uh we we're still concerned Uh, um it's uh they aren't real forthcoming with how they're going to be uh looking at the refinery waivers that have been requested for 2018 and uh if it's uh Anything uh, like it was uh, that we just went through for the 16 and 17, as they've wrapped up uh, granting those waivers, it'll be absolutely devastating for the ethanol industry and uh, subsequently demand for the the large crop and surpluses that uh, agriculture's carrying right now. So um, we're... Hopefully uh, a little more optimistic because uh, rent values are uh, way down over what they were during that period of time of uh, 2016 and 2017. And so to claim on the same basis uh, a hardship economically uh, is just uh, the scenario just is not the same. And so uh, we would hope that EPA would uh, not be granting these waivers this go-around.
0: Meanwhile, we're getting closer to June 1st. Do you think they're going to get the E-15 approved by this summer for uh, year-round sales?
8: Uh, the proposed rule that EPA is working on for to allow uh, year-round sales of E-15 is on an extremely tight timeline. Uh, Administrator Wheeler keeps saying that uh, they're going to meet the May 30th deadline that uh, they've uh, put on themselves uh, in order to avoid uh, retailers uh, switching away from e 15 during the summer months. So we uh, remain encouraged in that regard, and uh, the proposed rule came out March 12th, and the comment period ends on April the 29th, which is coming up here real shortly, and NCGA uh, is uh, preparing the written uh, comments uh, that will be submitted here before the 29th, and uh, as president of NCGA, those written comments are laying here on my desk as we speak uh, for my review and approval. And uh, it's been a project that NCGA has worked on for a number of years trying to encourage you to go ahead and allow year-round sale of E15, and it looks like uh, we're going to get it done and hopefully on time here.
0: And finally on trade, we got a lot of big issues, U.S. M.C.A., China, and now Japan all, uh, you know, maybe close or at least being worked on. Uh, I, obviously trade is of critical importance to agriculture in general and uh, corn growers in particular. Uh
8: Yes, and uh, when you were talking about uh, Mexico and Canada, it's uh, critical markets uh, with our next door neighbors. And in fact, uh, Mexico is our uh, top buyer of U.S. corn, purchasing 25% of all corn exports. And so uh, it's a situation where uh, they're good customers of ours and we need to be treating them like uh, neighbors and good customers and uh, get the USMCA uh, ratified so that we remove this uncertainty out of that market.
0: So that's going to be a big push for your group and many others in agriculture to get that across the finish line. Meanwhile, China, uh, there's a lot of talk about we're very close to a deal. And originally, we thought a lot about soybeans with China, but the, the, this could be big for corn, right?
8: Um, it could. Um, we're, if we can get the, a deal done then and get uh, you know the tariffs removed, uh, probably the larger... Uh, opportunity for uh, corn as a corn product with ethanol going into that market and a year ago in retaliation China put a 70 cent tariff on ethanol and that just plain dried that market up and uh, they're uh, needing ethanol as well as uh, some corn and we're looking to uh, getting that situation in a position where we can uh, re-engage with uh, uh, market and export opportunities there.
0: Yeah, a lot of hope that we may be getting very close to that deal with China. All right, Lynn, we'll let you go. Thank you much, and we'll check in with you uh, in a, maybe a couple weeks or so and see how much corn you have planted, okay?
8: Oh, that sounds like a good deal. Hopefully we'll get a stretch here where we can get corn in the ground.
0: Hope so. Thanks, Lynn.
8: Okay, good to visit anytime.
0: Lynn Chris, president of the National Corn Growers Association. So, maybe close to a deal with uh, China. Hopefully, we're getting something done with Japan. We still have USMCA out there. We'll talk about all that with Colin Woodall with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association next
4: on AOA. Soybean growers are going all in on Ingenia herbicide. Now BASF is going all in on Ingenia growers. We're so confident in the performance of this solution, we're now backing it with the Ingenia herbicide weed control guarantee so you can have true peace of mind. And you can tap into our expanded Grow Smart rewards program and get cash back. Go all in today at ingeniaherbicide.com. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions.
0: Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.
9: Whether you're on the road or in the field, you need more than typical number two diesel. You need a heavy-duty diesel like Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. It's the diesel that keeps your equipment out of the shop and restores power by as much as 4.5% and fuel economy by up to 5%. So ask yourself, if you could be any diesel, which diesel would you be? Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
10: Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa?
3: play my flash briefing.
10: Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Or you can search for the American Ag Network.
3: This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill.
10: Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. A somewhat easier tone to the grain and oil seed sector on this Thursday trading session. Ahead of a three-day weekend, the markets will be closed on Friday for Good Friday. Export sales of U.S. corn on this Thursday exceeding analysts' expectations. This week's total, 966,000 metric tons for delivery in both the 2018-19 and 2019-20 marketing years, came in at the high end of estimates and 76% more than last week's number. Meanwhile, on the meat side of things, 23,500 metric tons of pork being sold to China for export in the past week. According to USDA, that makes it over 100,000 tons of U.S. pork purchased by China in the past two weeks. On the futures board, lean hogs not doing much with the news. June down 77 an hour into the day at 9535. Live cattle, June up a nickel at 122.47 per hundred weight. Cash cattle bids being seen in Nebraska on this Thursday at 204 dressed. Asking prices, however, 208. May feeder cattle up 70 cents at 151.30. For the grains in corn, new crop December down a penny and a quarter at 385.5. Soybeans, July down to 890.5. November, 910.5. Down a penny and three quarters. Chicago wheat, July down four and three quarters, 445.5. Kansas City, July at 4.23 and a quarter, down three. Minneapolis spring wheat, September down three quarters of a cent at 5.38. Cotton futures, July down 73 points, 78.23. December down 50 at 76.94. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow up 21. Crude oil down a nickel a barrel. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network.
1: Lots to talk about with Colin Woodall, Vice President, Government Affairs for the National
0: Cattlemen's Beef Association. Colin, thanks for joining us. Busy time.
9: It is a busy time, and it's always good to be with you, Mike.
0: All right, let's get right into some of these trade issues. I want to look at China first. It looks like maybe we're getting close to some kind of announcement. It remains to be seen. We've heard this before, but uh, indications are uh, we know they're dealing with African swine fever. We wish that was not the case. No one wants that. To happen to anyone but it has happened it is happening they're having trouble getting it under control so we know it's creating opportunities probably for u.s pork but it could also raise opportunities for u.s beef going into china with a deal right
9: it could if we're able to structure our access into china similar to what we have in japan and south korea the u.s meat export federation tells us that we could take that chinese market and make it a four billion dollar market That's twice what Japan is right now, and of course Japan was our number one market in 2018, so a tremendous amount of opportunity. But even though we have to worry about African swine fever and what they're dealing with in China, it is helping to build that pressure from their side of the equation on the need need for protein knowing that it's not going to be just pork that can fill that need. They're going to have to look at beef and other proteins. And so I think that just continues to put the pressure on their negotiators to stay at the table here and talk to us. As you said, we've been here before with the Chinese. It seems like we have had multiple opportunities where we've gotten so close, and then all of a sudden they have uh, moved the chains on us or jerked the football away from us. Uh, but that seems to be a little bit different this time around. They're still at the table. They keep coming back to the table, and all indications from the U.S. Trade Representative's Office is that those conversations are fruitful, and we do know that our two big issues, which, of course, is the ban on the use of implant hormones and the ban on beta agonists, are still being discussed. So we remain optimistic that we can get something big done here with these negotiations.
0: Yeah, that's another part of this. We haven't looked too much about it. Whether it's pork or whether it's beef, uh, okay they they need our product and they're going to be in a position to buy but are they going to try to put uh, uh you know strings is there going to be strings attached saying you know we won't accept it if it has this product or if you use this method or whatever those are troubles we've had with them in the past
9: uh, that's right and that's what happened in two thousand seventeen almost two years ago when we were trying to reestablish our beef access. Of course we had been cut out since December 3rd, uh, 23rd of 2003 and we wanted to get back in and President Trump got us back in but we could only send beef from cattle that had not been treated with uh, implant hormones or with beta agonists such as ractopamine so that really did uh, kind of uh, decline or uh, reduce the amount of beef that would qualify to go over there. So we do feel very fortunate that we get a second attempt here to take those Uh, requirements or those restrictions down and so we've been able to utilize all the science that we have that supports the use of these production technologies the peer-reviewed actions behind these production technologies and being able to put the facts in front of them has apparently kept their interest So that's why we know that these issues are still on the table we don't have a definitive answer yet but the fact that we have gone this far and they're still part of the discussion again that's what gives us some optimism that this could be a a life changing uh, trade deal for us in the beef industry Yes,
0: yeah, so those are issues we need to watch closely uh if and when an announcement uh does uh, get made here in the next uh hopefully in the next few days or weeks they're looking at maybe sometime uh, in may all right we're talking with colin woodall with the national cattlemen's beef association all right colin so now we have talks ongoing with japan how optimistic are you about those
9: well, we're extremely optimistic about the talks with Japan. We've got such a great relationship, government to government, that uh, we, we don't believe we will have the same issues that we've had in the past with the Chinese. Uh, they are willing to be at the table. They want to be at the table. They understand the value of U.S. beef. They know that their consumers demand Our product. So they have a lot of motivation to be at the table. If you'll recall back when TPP was the subject of the day, one of the reasons why both the United States and Japan wanted to be a part of it was because of the opportunities to better that relationship. And of course, for us, it's taking that 39.5% tariff. Down to something much lower. Uh, Japan was our number one market in 2018, did just right at uh, $2 billion worth of business with them, but that was at a 38.5% tariff. And everybody just needs to remember that a tariff is nothing more than a tax. If we can take that down, then that will give us an opportunity to have even more success in that market. And of course, we're watching our main competitors, Canada and Australia, because they have the tariff advantage o- over us. Because the TPP did move forward with all the other 11 countries, except for us, and. Uh, because of that, they could very easily start taking some of our share. Now, we're watching that very closely to see if that's the case, but it also gives us some, some incentive to try to get these talks concluded as quickly as possible so that way we can try to catch up with Canada and Mexico in terms of that decrease of tariff.
0: So the TPP deal that we pulled out of, is that the measuring stick here for a new deal, trying to get at least what we would have gotten in TPP?
9: Now, that is the, the minimum, and we would like to go further. We would like to be able to take that tariff from 38.5% to zero. You know, we were able to do that in South Korea. The South Korean agreement, before that was put in place, we had a 40% tariff over in South Korea. And as part of the agreements, we were able to negotiate down to zero over the course of 15 years, and we're slowly working our way through that. And it has just absolutely uh, caught that particular market on fire for U.S. beef we are hoping to do the same here in J- in Japan, but again, at a minimum, we want to be able to get what TPP was able to establish. That was taking it down to 9%. But then the second thing is, can we put some sort of acceleration clause in place so that way we can catch up with Canada and Mexico rather than being behind them for the next 15 years of implementation?
0: Yeah, those are the kind of details we'll be watching for, talking with NCBA's Colin Whittle. Let's go now to USMCA. Uh, Colin... Are you at all concerned that this isn't moving quicker, that the administration hasn't really pushed this uh, sooner than it has, that we're kind of still got a lot of legal pers- things to go through, steps to take to really get it to a vote? Uh, do you uh, Are you concerned that it isn't happening quicker than it is?
9: We are concerned that we don't have a vote yet. but. We're not concerned in terms of the administration's action, because this is a priority. Uh, We know the president continues to talk about it, and yes, there are some steps, procedural steps that we still have to go through in order to get to a vote, but the president and Ambassador Lighthizer are being very strategic here, because once you transmit some of these documents, then the clock starts on congressional approval. So, right now, this is a scenario where the administration is trying to do a little clock management to make sure they don't put something out there that ultimately doesn't get a vote on in time. And that's where NCBA and all of our other friends in agriculture come in. It's our job to get as many commitments from these members of Congress as possible who will publicly say, yes, they will vote for it. And of course, we're really focused on the Democrats in the House because unless the Speaker brings it up for a vote, we won't be able to have that opportunity to prove what our uh, vote count looks like. So the real focus is on getting as many Democrats as possible to come out publicly in support of it and to put pressure on the Speaker to bring this up as quickly as possible so that way we can get this done and get a vote as soon as uh, as we can.
0: There will be some pressure because some of those Democrats will not want to give anything that appears like a victory to President Trump, but on the other hand, the consequences of not having a deal would be felt back in their districts.
9: Well, you're right, and you also have to keep in mind that there are a lot of new Democrats that were elected in what had been traditionally Republican districts, and they also have to be able to prove that that was the right decision by the voters in those districts, and that means, in a lot of cases, uh, trade, especially when you look at those California districts that have ports or are close to... That trade comes in and out. Uh, That can have a big impact on their ability to get reelected. So we're going to have to to play this political angle both ways. Uh, both trying to assuage those who believe that this is a Trump-only deal. We need to make sure they understand that this is an ag deal, too. This is an NCBA deal. This is a cattle producer deal. And at the same time, also make sure that those who feel a little bit differently that are within the Democratic rank, ranks, that they know that they have the support from the countryside to take a firm position and to be able to tell the Speaker, let's get a vote on it because I'm going to vote yes.
0: And finally, let me ask you about talks with the European Union uh- we're still going through a dance with them, whether or not ag is going to be included in the talks or not. Uh, do you think anything's going to happen anytime soon there?
9: We, we do not. And the president and investor Lighthizer have been very clear that the talks will include agriculture or there won't be talks. And we are comfortable with the uh, the administration's position on that. You know, there was an exchange of official communiques again this week where the EU once again reiterated they did not want to address agriculture. What we continue to tell the EU representatives here in the United States, our administration, and our Congress is that without agriculture there to help get a free trade agreement done you won't get a free trade agreement done i think that gives us a lot of leverage to put that pressure on the eu to come to the table for all commodities all issues and all industries
0: well a lot at stake here on a lot of fronts uh, all kind of happening kind of at the same time at uh, you know i wonder how much if we get all this to go through boy it could be a tremendous uh, bump couldn't it for for agriculture
9: That's why we remain optimistic, even if we just look at China. But then you take China and you add Japan on top of it and the potential of not only EU but also a potential U.K. agreement. Uh, We're talking about opportunities that we haven't had in many, many years that would really help all of us in agriculture, but especially those of us in the cattle business.
0: All right, Colin. Hopefully we'll be talking about some of those successes here soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Always good to talk with you. Colin Woodall, Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Coming up next, we're going to look ahead to this year's Farm Progress Show. Are they getting any field work done at the Farm Progress Show site around Decatur, Illinois? Rain in that area last night. We'll talk about it next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
4: Throughout soybean farming regions, growers are going all in on Ingenia herbicide from BASF. They know it's the most flexible and advanced solution of its kind for tough weed control, especially resistant weeds. Now BASF is going all in on Ingenia growers. We're so confident in the performance of this solution, we're now backing it with the Ingenia herbicide weed control guarantee. And this year, you can tap into our expanded, season-long Grow Smart Rewards program. Get cash back for making the best agronomic game plan with Ingenia Herbicide and BASF's leading portfolio of soybean solutions. Want stronger performance and profits? Together with peace of mind, go to ingeniaherbicide.com to learn more. Grow Smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions.
0: Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel,
12: Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore, a perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months, and even more stuff, but still no jobs? Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff. Create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council
6: Data is data is data. Unless you work with FS, then your data comes with expert insight. Tapping into a wide range of technologies through MyField, your FS crop specialist evaluates trial data from your farm, along with only the most qualified aggregated data that reveals trends in your area. With MyField, your FS crop specialist delivers the insights you need to build your ROI. Learn how results from FS nitrogen trials can be applied to your farm at fsmyfield.com. FS, bringing you what's next. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're talking with Iowa Senator Chuck
0: Grassley. Let's talk about trade, in particular, your differences with the president when it comes to the use of tariffs.
9: Now, in the case of Mexico and Canada, the president put these tariffs on to get them to negotiate. The negotiations were successful from the president's point of view. Then the tariffs ought to go off. They're still on. The president's got to realize Mexico's not going to take it up. Canada's not going to take it up. We aren't even going to take it up in the United States Congress unless those tariffs get off. Uh, I don't know why it takes so long. The economy is a little bit soft. Some success on trade negotiations would really be a big boost to the economy. This may not be done this year, and if it isn't done this year, it's not going to be done in election year. So the president needs to get off of uh, the pot and uh, start doing things that will help him and the economy.
0: For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture.
3: Do you know how to keep food safe at home?
12: Clean, separate, cook, and chill.
3: The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Clean. Wash hands and utensils to avoid spreading bacteria when preparing food. Separate. Use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. You can't tell it's done by how it looks. Always use a food thermometer.
12: Chill.
3: Keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean,
8: separate, cook, and chill.
3: For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-Hotline.
8: Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions I'll tell you like I'll tell them all? Call my friends at InventHelp.
5: To get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-352-0432. That's 1-800-352-0432.
8: I believe every inventor deserves the opportunity to step into the ring and take their best shot. Put InventHelp in your corner.
1: This year's Farm
0: Progress Show returns to Decatur, Illinois, will be held August 27th, 28th, and 29th. And we're going to get a preview of how things are starting up there at the show site. And I was hoping to find out they were planting uh, around the show site today, but since I live just only about an hour or so away from Decatur, and I know we got rain overnight, I know things are not uh, uh, going like we'd hoped they would be, much as the case for many uh around the midwest this year but let's talk about it with matt youngman director of trade shows for farm progress matt thanks for being with us before last night's rain was any field work going on around the show site
5: no you know mike i was in decatur um tuesday and wednesday so tuesday and yesterday uh and drove back from from your neighborhood up here to where i am in in western illinois near the mississippi river and on that two and a half hour drive, I did not see one tractor in the field, which, you know when you look at the calendar and then you take that drive, it's kind of amazing that we're we're that far behind in Central Illinois planting corn. Uh, i don't I don't know how much you got, and and I honestly, I'm scared to call the host farmer to ask him how much he got because everybody's kind of wringing their hands, hoping that this will straighten up and be able to get in the field
0: yeah I think the amounts varied a half inch to probably more in, in some places, but uh hey been through this before at at the Decatur side, haven't we?
5: Yes, we have. you know that this is the eighth time that we've been through Decatur, believe it or not. We started back in two thousand and five and we've been there every odd number of years since then and, and uh, you know the host farmers have have gotten acclimated to this this kind of strange bit of farming that we do where the harvest is a defined finish line on a defined point on the calendar and and so the the stress of it is something that that they're becoming accustomed to but you know it doesn't it doesn't make it any easier it's just a little bit more more um, regular for them.
0: Yeah, you've got so much like you say you you've got a very precise window because you want things to be ready for the end of August uh so you got the fields to be planted you got plots to be planted i mean there's there are a lot of things that will need to be done to get ready for this year's show
8: yeah
5: there's a lot of the you know a lot of the exhibit components are get their start here at at this time of year you know we, we we do a lot of talking about it in february and march but then you get to to april and may and and the seeds go in the ground and and the things start to go you know we were we were staking off lots yesterday so that so that people could begin to do things with their lots, either uh, fertilize them or plant something on them or, or start to build buildings or pour concrete or put down gravel or whatever improvements they're looking to make this year. We're already staking out lots for a show that, that is at the end of August.
0: I can remember in years past being there when it was a late spring and you were already doing in the math on, uh, we've only got this many days till the show, you got, you're got you looking at uh Uh, shorter varieties uh, you know things like that i mean there's just a lot of each day that goes by you have to kind of have a plan a b and c don't you
5: yeah and it's kind of funny back back when i was doing this you know 10 years ago or longer it it was a little bit harder to i was figuring heat units and you know i was actually doing math and tracking temperatures (laughs) and, and doing heat unit math and now now you have all kinds of technologies available and and it, it doesn't change what Mother Nature gives us. It doesn't. It doesn't do any of that. It's a little bit easier to track and a little bit easier to do the math. But um, you know, we we have we kind of have we, we've got it figured out where if we get a normal amount of heat units, uh, the hybrids that we're planting will get us to black layer by the middle of August. So we've got a week there to dry it down from that. And, and you know, the, the early hybrids that we're using in Central Illinois that are a little more common up towards Madison, Wisconsin they they dry down maybe a little quicker than what everybody in that neighborhood is used to. So if we can get to Black Layer by about August 15th, we are we will be good for, you know, normal harvest conditions, maybe a little wetter than, than some folks would call normal, but fairly normal weather conditions to do harvest and then tillage and then everything else. And, you know, we, we have a lot of new stuff that's going to be out in that field, so it's, it's pretty critical that we get everything put together because there's going to be a lot of things going on there that folks
0: are going to want to see Yeah, like you say uh, the experience and now the technology you know which hybrids you can use and uh, and uh, fit that in to whatever that window you're going to have will be hopefully you'll be there uh, getting out in those fields very very soon we're talking with Matt Youngman uh, he is director of trade shows for Farm Progress so is something you cannot control other things you can control what are some of those things that you're working on
5: the, you know the, it, it we're at the point in the cycle here where where I'm doing my my 1,500 piece puzzle of, of putting all the exhibit lots and booth spaces and everything in order and and you know spent spent February and March going to some of the bigger indoor farm shows and having conversations with with the companies and figuring out well you know since since we were in Decatur last time the map's going to look different just because there are different brands and different places everything that used to be Monsanto is now bare and, and Corteva where Dow was and, uh, you know, a couple of new people stepping into some places that were vacated by others because of mergers. And so uh, it, this is this is always fun. And I can say that, uh, you know, sometimes we're working to make the show fresh, and, and, and we're not working to make the show fresh this year. The, the industry has done that for us with with some big moves. And, and then, um, you know, Case IH, the first time the growers are going to be able to see that new AFS Connect tractor that unveiled at Louisville, first time you'll see that in the field is at Farm Progress Show. And the new high-horsepower Kubota uh, that's coming out, first time you'll be able to see that in person will be the Farm Progress Show. And uh, GSI putting up a huge new drying system. And, it, it, you know, there's, there's lots and lots and lots of new things going on that I'm shuffling around right now on, on the map. So that, that's kind of the big, the big thing that we're working on.
0: August 27th, 28th, and 29th seems like a long ways away, but it's uh, certainly not that far away, and especially if you're wanting to harvest during those three days. So that uh, that speeds everything up for you. Well, Matt, thanks for being with us. We'll be uh, talking to you throughout the course of the spring and summer, and especially when you finally get to the fields and get things, the planters rolling. We'll talk again then, okay?
5: Very good. Thanks a lot, Mike.
0: Take care. Matt Youngman, Director of Trade Shows for... Farm Progress. Again, the Farm Progress show this year will be in Decatur, Illinois, August 27th, 28th, and 29th. But uh, no planting there in central Illinois at the show site yet. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to focus again on the dairy industry. Some talk about should we go to a supply management system. We'll talk about that and more. Hope you'll join us here on Adams on Agriculture.